If you have your Bibles this morning, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 7. The title of the message this morning is The Great House That Jesus Is Building. The Great House That Jesus Is Building. Let's pray together. Amen. As we turn Hebrews chapter 3. Amen. Father, this morning we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask again for the power of your Spirit to come among us today and to anoint us both to preach and to hear your word. Father, we thank you that Jesus is faithful, seated upon the throne. And we pray, O God, that by the power of your Spirit that you would move in this house this morning, that you would touch our hearts and our ears Lord, give us hearts that are willing, pliable, tender to receive your word. Lord, give us ears that are opened. And Lord, give us lives that are willing to obey. Oh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, realizing again the time, the hour in which we've come to the kingdom. Lord, we pray, Lord, make us a willing people. Lord, make us vessels, Lord, of honor to glorify your name. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a work Lord, by the power of your Spirit in our in our hearts and in our midst, O oh God, that everything would be for your glory and everything would be for your honor. So God, this morning we pray, Lord, help us this morning as we come to your word, for we need your help, we need your anointing, we need your Spirit. Lord, unless you breathe, unless you come, Lord, Lord, it's just an exercise of man's words And Lord, just a time that we'll do together, but then we go home. But we want to be changed by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we want to be more like you. Lord, we want to be conformed into your image and transformed, Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost. So God, we ask because we need your help. Lord, we ask because we are a needy people that you would move among us today and glorify your name. We ask all these mercies. And everyone said, Amen. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 through to 7. And I pray you'd just bear with me this morning as we just set out uh, just an introduction to this. Uh, It might sound a little bit complicated. I'm not trying to make it complicated. Hopefully uh, not. But just that the Lord would help us to see what he would have us to say. Amen. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore... As the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice. I want to stop there because often we would use that verse, and rightly so, I believe it's right to do so. We would use that verse 7. Today, the Holy Spirit says, God says, if you hear his voice, use the terms harden not your heart or turn away as the children did in the day, of provocation, but we know in the context, in the right context, actually, Paul here, I believe Paul's the writer of the Hebrews, Paul here is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to the church. These were Jewish believers that had been wonderfully converted, and Paul was bringing some wonderful revelation, wonderful truths concerning the two covenants under the old and under the new, revealing to them as they came from the old dispensation mindset, but revealing to them the wonders and the glory and the riches of Christ in that new covenant. So in these comparing, what you'll find the whole way through the book of Hebrews, just as an introduction to this this morning, you'll see that Paul is constantly bringing Moses and speaking well of Moses and his 
office as a mediator in the old, but then he's talking about something that's so much more greater and so much more wonderful, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we we go through, if you read the book of Hebrews, it's a wonderful book. You see that Paul is constantly going back and bringing them forward, and then suddenly it just like pulls the curtains open of their eyes and says, now here's something so much more wonderful I want you to see. That was glorious, but listen, there's something so much more glorious. And so by the power of the Spirit, he said, today I want you to hear what he's saying. I don't want you to be like your fathers that provoked him in the wilderness. I don't think I'll get that far this morning, but that, that, that whole generation that had to die in that wilderness because of unbelief. You know, when, when Stephen was preaching in Acts chapter 7, that sermon, that great sermon that cost him his life, his own blood, You know, he talked about that your fathers were always erring in their heart. They turned, they constantly were wanting to turn back towards Egypt. And we don't want to turn towards Egypt. We, We want to go forward and we want to go on into all that God has for us. But the warning was to them, and here again in Hebrews, you'll find it the whole way through it. As much as he burst forth with revealing the glory of who Christ is, then suddenly he would say, now don't be like your fathers. He would bring the caution. He would warn them that it's possible. It's possible that, that we could be like their fathers that would err in the wilderness through unbelief and never enter into everything of what God had for them. And truly this morning, we all want to enter into the fullness of what God has for us. And so here we see that he's speaking as Moses is faithful. We, we open it up there and he talks like Moses was sent. He was the apostle in the old. He was the sent one and Aaron his, was the high priest. So now he says, I want you to consider Jesus Christ who is both the apostle, our apostle, the one that was sent. And he is also our great high priest. He fulfills all the offices in Christ alone. I want you, he says, to look at him as the mediator of a new covenant. And as Moses was faithful in all his house, he he commends Moses for his faithfulness. But he says, but Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Hi. So now he comes into this this understanding of a house builder. And he says, he who builds the house has more honor than the house. Every house is builded by some man. But then he says, listen, God has built everything. He's the one this morning that we've been looking to. And now we see Moses in verse 5. He says, now look at Moses. Verily he was faithful. You know that word faithful. That word faithful, if I could encourage you this morning, just that word faithful, that, that great, that great attribute of God, He's faithful, but how God wants us to be faithful in all that we're asked to do. He was verily faithful in all His house, but He was a servant, speaking of the things that are to come. So now we're, we're going into something that's quite amazing because way back, and we're going to turn to it in Deuteronomy 18, this is what now The writer of the Hebrews, Paul, is saying concerning this man, Moses, he was faithful in his house. How was he faithful? What's he actually referring to? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, if you go over to there for a moment, and I'll just show you it in Scripture, and then we'll go into Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter's message there. But Deuteronomy 18, verse 14. Deuteronomy 18, verse 14. What things is he speaking of concerning Moses? Well, here it says, Deuteronomy 18 and 14, For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times, unto diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. The Lord thy God shall raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren. Now here is Moses speaking unto the unction of the Holy Spirit, And now he's revealing the far better. He's now speaking of Christ who is going to come. And he says, there's going to be a prophet that will be raised up from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. When he says, like unto me, I'm a shadow. I'm a a shadow of what the fullness is going to be. That fullness is all in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, here's Moses speaking by the unction of the Spirit of God. 
according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Now here we see a a prophecy concerning a prophet that would be raised up from their brethren, that is Jesus Christ. Now Moses was faithful preaching Christ to them in the old covenant, and yet we know that the veil was across for them to see the fullness of everything that was going to come. When When we bring it over into the book of Acts chapter 3, Again, this is repeated, this fulfillment of the prophecy, so we know how Moses was faithful. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 20, if you just stay with me this morning on this, I know we're traveling a bit, but if you just remain with me, I believe the Lord will help us as we come to this great house. In Acts 3 and 20, then here we see Peter says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Where is he referring to? He's referring to that moment when Moses preached to them under the unction of the Holy Spirit that there's a prophet that's going to come. He'll come from among your brethren and he will speak the words that God puts in his mouth. Thank God this morning for Jesus and thank God for the words that proceeded from the mouth of Christ, full of truth and grace. And here he says, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the prophet of his holy prophets since the world began. Look what he says in verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. But you know what happened? to the crowds that Peter was preaching to, and to the crowds that Stephen was preaching to, he preached the fulfillment of the prophecy. The man that came among them was Jesus. But they killed, they killed the Prince of Life. They rejected his words. They rejected his ministry. And they put him on a cross. And now they're standing and saying, your fathers, your fathers have erred in their hearts. And he has come among us, but you, 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 he came on to his own and his own received him not. This was that prophet. And now when we move back in for a moment, Hebrews 3, back into the book of Hebrews, we know here what, 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 what the Lord is trying to impress amongst the people of God. And this is so important because you know we have, we have preached this many times concerning This generation, the Bible says that they're written for our example upon whom the ends of the world has come. We're warned constantly. We're warned consistently in Scripture that we must know, that we must be aware, that we cannot cannot just think we're going to be okay. We must know that in our hearts, that, that, that same spirit that would come in the end time would seek to try and snare us and draw us away from the truth. But here we see as Christ now is being presented in the book of Hebrews, remember what the focus is of this great book. It's constantly that Paul is writing and saying there's something so much greater, but don't in your heart err from the way. Don't turn away. Don't allow things to come in in order that would hinder you in your walk. Remain faithful and remain firm even unto the end because the end is coming. And so he says in Hebrews 7, he says there that that by so much more Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. He speaks of a more excellent ministry. He's the mediator of a better covenant in Hebrews 8 and 6. And he is, it's all established on better promises. He's talking about there's something so much more that we don't settle down on this earth for that which is natural or be drawn away by the things of the earth because there's something more, something greater that he wants us to enter into. And he says there's, there's a better sacrifice. Praise the Lord. That's the blood of Jesus Christ this morning that's through the cross. I have been set free. Isn't that what we sang? And so here Paul is trying to bring to the mindset of those Jewish believers 
who were focused perhaps maybe on more what has happened in historical context and even in our context here in, in Ulster, a more religious context that so much of that tradition can come in and hinder us from entering into what is the more excellent ministry, what is the better promises that there are in Christ Jesus on a better sacrifice and there's a better country one day we're all going home to because the world's not our home. We don't belong here. We are passing through. Don't put your roots too deep in because Christ is coming for his bride and his bride is about to be taken from the world. Do we believe it? And so he's trying to bring to us by the power of the Spirit. Friends, don't get caught up in all the stuff and all the things. Don't start building and going deeper down into this world because there's something so much greater. And that greater is Jesus. It's all him. And there's better promises. It's a better sacrifice. It's a new covenant in his blood. And there's joy unspeakable in it. But don't allow what the enemy is doing and the power of the spirit of the age to distract you, to err in your faith. Because our fathers were always wanting to go back to Egypt. You think of Joshua and Caleb because I think of them regularly. Because every day they had to listen to that cry that never wanted to go in. They always wanted to go back. They never wanted to go forward. Yet in the hearts of these men, they were saying, there's a better, there's a better place. There's a promise for us. There's a crossing over. We must enter in. We must go forward. Because in their hearts, they believe that you see everything of the Christian faith is in the heart. That's where it all is this morning. Friends, I want to tell you a lie that believers believe. You know that verse that says that our hearts are desperately wicked? Do you know that's the sinner's heart? But the Bible says I've been given a new heart. And that new heart is not desperately wicked. He has put a heart in me. And so this morning what I'm saying because of that, no matter what's all going around that heart and in that mind, but if you've been born of the Spirit of God, God by His Spirit has put a new heart in you with new desires. And this morning if God speaks to us, as the Bible says, today if you hear His voice, your heart has the ability, it has an ear on it, to hear what God's saying, not what man's saying. And so because of that, Friend, listen this morning, God's speaking, but know what often happens. It's the things of the world that choke the word of God. And God cannot do what he intends to do or his purpose to be revealed because the cares of the world come in and choke the seed and then the life doesn't come. It's real, isn't it? How many times have you sat in a meeting and I hear people testify this. I don't take it personally. It's absolutely fine because I've sat in meetings too. I didn't hear one word the preacher said. And often that's because in the heart, it's so surrounded by so much stuff. It's not that God isn't speaking. He is. It's not that the Holy Ghost isn't here. He is. It's not that God's will isn't here to be performed and to heal the sick, set the cup to free or save a soul, or speak into your heart. It's because our ears are so stuffed with other things that we can't hear what he's saying. I know for the, as, as, as Brother Peter says, to clear the addict. You ever cleared the addict? Stuff's been up there for years. You get that ladder down, you open that door, everything comes falling down on top of you. And then you find all those old photographs and all those old things and all the wee stuff. My dad, unbelievable. He's got teeth, her, everything, bits and pieces of us when we were kids, all of me. And you get wee bits now and again as he clears out. Here's your her when you were three. Praise the Lord, stick it on. I could do with it. I need a lot more. But we've got to clear because this is real, friends. This is no game. We're not playing games. This is lives. This is eternity. This is souls. This is Christ. This is his kingdom. This is his house. And so he's a son. Look what it says. As a son over his own house. Now remember what he says here in Hebrews 3. He who builds the house receives more glory than the house. 
not an awesome thing. Just follow it very carefully. I think sometimes you have to break the verse down to really get it. You have to go, well, I do. You have to go slow in reading it. It says here, he who builds the house. Now, who's the master builder? Who is the builder of the house? Who is the builder? Jesus is the builder. So he receives more glory than the house itself. There's something gone wrong in our age. Are you hearing me this morning? There's something gone terribly wrong in the church age which we have come to. It's terribly. I know, I know it may not be everyone saying it. I don't really care, friends. Something's gone terribly wrong in the church age because the house, as people see it, is getting more glory than the builder of the house. Are you hearing me this morning? The house is getting more glory than him that's built the house. We find something so wonderful in these scriptures. If you see it this morning, I pray you see it. Now we find something very wonderful. That he's the son over his house. That's Jesus. And then it says these four words. If you are there with me this morning, he's a son over his own house. And then it's in verse 6. Whose house are we? So here is the revelation. If you didn't know it or you haven't seen it before. Christ is building a great house. And you know what that house is? That house is you and that house is me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? You're his house. We are the house of God this morning. We are the house of God. Now, remember what I said today, if you hear his voice, I don't know whether you're hearing it or not. You might hear my voice, but I really want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You are the house of God. And Jesus is the master builder. And he's building a great house. I mean, he's building a great house. You may not think that, but he is. You may not even see that, but it's happening. Because he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you, whatever the devil's doing, let me tell you, whatever the Antichrist is doing, let me tell you, whatever the kingdoms of this world are doing, Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Shall not. It's good to have a shall not, isn't it? So whatever it looks like right at this time, as you cast your eyes across this land, across the nations of the world, in the midst of it, God's moving mightily, building his church. And it's his house. But I want to tell you, it's a great house. Amen. It is a great house. So he's the son over his house. And we are that house. And the house is built and made up of you and me. We make up this house. Isn't that an amazing thing? By the grace of God, when you were saved, when he brought you out, when he delivered you from the power of the enemy, the Bible says he brought us into his banqueting house. And what's his banner? His banner over us is what? Is love. You're part of his house. By the grace of God, the day that he saved you, he brought you out of that horrible pit and he says, I am going to put Jeff's loss uniquely into my house. He is going to be a part in my house, but it's my house. It's for my glory. But he is going to be placed in. I'm going to take James Clements and I'm going to put him in my house. This is my house, God's house. Right? And I'm going to put him into that house and into that wall. I'm going to take Saskia Nass. I'm going to save her at a young age. But I'm going to place her in the wall of my house. And she's going to be a testimony of my grace. I'm going to take Kim Brown and I'm going to put her in my house and praise God by the grace of God. She's going to shine for me in my house, but she's shining for my glory because I've done it. Are you understanding? I'm going to take Clive and I'm going to place him in my house because I love Clive. 
and Clive's precious to me, but I've saved them by my grace and I'm going to be Clive in my house and I'm going to rejoice in what I've done in his life because it's for my glory. I'm going to take Kyle on it and I'm going to save her and her husband and I'm going to bring them along. I'm going to say, where will I place them? Praise the Lord, I place them in Ballinahinch. And I'm going to put them in that wall. And I'm going to rejoice. And they're going to shine for me. For the glory of God. It's my house. I've saved you. I've kept you. And it's for my glory. Not for yours. And so he saves. He places. He puts in the broken. The maimed. The unlikely. The unlovable. And he says, I'll take them by the grace of God and I'll bring them in with all their warts and all their stuff. But I'll find a place for them in my house. And when I bring them in, they'll be fitly framed together with the rest of those precious saints. And all of this is for me. Are you understanding? It's for him. The house is for his glory. But today we've come to a place that the house is for the glory of the house. It's not. It's for the glory of the builder of the house. Yeah. Who's the builder? Jesus. And so the Bible tells us that we are lively stones. And we're built up a spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. Listen. A spiritual house. A spirit. Paul was pleading with the church at Corinth. There was many gifts, but he pleaded with them to mature in their faith and be spiritual because they were carnal. And when there's carnality, do you know what happens? Then the glory of the house isn't seen in the place that it's placed. Listen, we long to see the glory of God in the house of God. Listen, this is what's going to happen. Listen carefully. The glory of the latter house it's going to be greater than the former. What house is he speaking of? The house of God. That house is you. And that house is me. And the builder of that house is Jesus. What's his word? I'm going to fill it with my glory. How does he do that? How does that happen? Come on, let's, how does it get down to that? Is it someday that we'll all just be sitting here and suddenly just out of nowhere? And I do believe it's sudden. But it just all happens doesn't happen that way. I want to tell you, friends, if we are serious about it, and I know we are, but we got to hear the Spirit of the Lord this morning. we got to hear what the Spirit's saying. He says here that we must hold fast the confidence. There's something that we've got to hold on to. You know, and there's some things we've got to let go. How many people know we've got to let go and hold on? You can't hold on to two things. There's a lot of holding on to things that we shouldn't hold on to. And we need to let them go. And there's a lot of things we need to get a hold of. And are you holding on to the wrong thing? We've got to get a hold of the Lord. There's a confidence and there's a rejoicing of the, of the hope firm unto the end. Can I tell you, friend, this morning, the end, the end this world doesn't believe in an end, but the end is near. This dispensation of time, of grace, it's coming to an end. We're told here to have a confidence, to hold on to something, and to rejoice in that. Now the Holy Spirit is sent today if you hear his voice. So we're holding on with confidence. Here's a house, an architect, a master plan, a builder, the house is Jesus. And Paul said these words, if we turn to Ephesians 3 and verse 8, this is what Paul said that he was that he was called to do. This was the calling of God by the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. And Nikki prayed it this morning. She hasn't seen my notes. She hasn't knows nothing of what I'm preaching on this morning, but Ephesians 3 and 8. It says these words. Now Paul saying, Unto me, I'm the least of all the saints. Is this grace given? And here's the first thing that he was called to do. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That was what he was called by the grace of God. Listen to me this morning, friends. That he was to preach among the Gentiles. Listen to these words. Nicky prayed it. The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. 
Think about it, friends. I believe the church needs a fresh revelation of the unsearchable riches of Christ. If God for a moment, even to those who are maybe in a, in a, in a place of indifference or people backslidden or people not even saved, but I want to tell you, friend, and even for the church here this morning, honestly, see if God just for a moment in all our weariness or tiredness and unbelief or whatever it may be, but if God just stepped into this room this morning by the Holy Spirit, and I believe he wants to, and he just for a moment pulled back and anointed your eyes to see whether you were saved or unsaved and revealed to you the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ, I believe in an instant everyone in this place would be saved at the click of a finger. Everyone that's backslidden would repent and get right with God. And the rest of us would say, God, we want more of this. Because the unsearchable riches of God and Christ Jesus, everything of the fullness of who he is and all the glory of Christ this morning is ours. Thank God to a better sacrifice and a better promise. And so often we don't see it. Sure we don't. So often we don't see it. And he says, this is what I've been called to do, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, the gospel to the Gentiles. But then he said, there's a second thing that I've been called to do. And he says, and to make men, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God. Now here we're seeing something. You know, I went back to Moses a minute ago, but now we're going back into eternity in God himself. Now, what God has purposed, and this again brings our finite minds, brings our minds to a place where only by the power of the Holy Spirit we can get it. Because here's the thing that has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. It's a mystery hid from the beginning of the world. What was hid? I want to tell you something. Some may not even be able to grasp this or believe it this morning, but it's true. Now this, what is happening here this morning, has been hid in God from the beginning of time in eternity. The gathering of God's people as the church of Jesus Christ, you being a part of the house of God, has been determined in eternity before the world was even created. Can we even get it? How do you grasp that? The purpose of God now being revealed that this is what God has eternally purposed this morning as the house of God, as Christ as that master builder, him as head over the house, and you and I part of that house, the body of Christ. But he planned all this in eternity. I can't take it in, and I will not put it into man's theology, but I do believe it. And then he says in verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the face of him. Now here we see something different. So often we are relying on our face but now the access and the confidence comes by his faith. The faith of Christ in that he is our faithful high priest and has made a way for us to enter in boldly to the throne of grace that we together this morning can be a house by the grace of God, but a great house, not only that, but a house that's filled with his glory. Now this is such a precious thing. I hope that it's coming across. I hope that we're grasping it. The gathering of the people of God. I want you to hear me this morning. The gathering, especially in the days in which we're living. If there's a second wave, the only wave I'm looking at is a wave of the Holy Ghost. But listen carefully this morning. The gathering of that house is the most precious thing that's happening in Balnehinch this morning. Not just this house, but any other house where God's people meet together in the name of Jesus. It is the most precious thing on this earth. Wherever it meets, whether it's China, India, Africa, across Europe and in the United States and Southern America, wherever it meets this morning, it's the most precious thing on this planet. 
Because in an instant, it's going to leave this earth. You hear me this morning? In an instant, in an instant, this bride is going to be caught up to meet the Lord. And the, the most precious thing that's happening this morning is the gathering. That world out there don't know a bit of it. They don't understand one thing. Perhaps they think that we're all crackers and crazy. Whatever they want to think, that's fine. But as we walk through those church doors this morning, it's not this building or that building. And thank God for what God is doing. But it's not in the bricks or the mortar. But it's in the fact that this is his house and he's building it. And you're a part of that. We are the chosen vessels of the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a bit American here. I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you say after me, I'm a chosen vessel of the Lord? I'm a chosen vessel of the Lord. Would you say it again? I'm a chosen vessel of the Lord. Do you know who you are? Do you know you're a chosen vessel of the Lord? Romans 9, if you turn with me this morning, Romans 9 and verse 20. It's a great chapter, worth the read, but again, here we read. As the vessels of the Lord in this house. Romans 9 and verse 20. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Question. Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Now listen, these are so important because these are questions that we sometimes come off with, don't realizing that we shouldn't actually be asking these questions. Who are we to say, God, why have you made me this? And why have you placed me in this house? Surely there's a better house for me to be in. Actually, this is way beneath me. Imagine. Who are we to question God? Who are we to reply to the potter? Why have you made me like this? Could I tell you something? That's actually a lie. Sowed into your mind by the devil Every person in this room is fearfully and wonderfully made by Almighty God. See, when we hear that stuff, friends, we must align ourselves to God's Word. We say things and we hear things in, in this house, in God's house, and we talk that way, and we're talking contrary to the Word of God. Actually, what we're doing is reinforcing. Now listen to what we're doing. We're reinforcing a stronghold in our mind. Listen to me this morning. We say things that bring us into a place that is contrary to the word of God. And God said, I've come to set the prisoner free. He whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed, but know what we do? We then align ourselves with the lies from the pit of hell. And then we reinforce those lies by saying it. And those strongholds are created in our mind. And it's contrary to the word of God. Listen, we've all done it. But we shouldn't. We need to repent of that. Are we right to turn around to the potter and say, what do you make me like this for? We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Our lives are not our own. Don't we sing that? But it's actually true. Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel on the honor and another on the dishonor? Question. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make us power known, endured with much long suffering the, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches? Remember, here it is. Now, where does he want to make the riches of his glory known? Remember, Paul says, I'm going to preach the unsearchable riches of glory. Whose vessels? Who are the vessels of the Lord this morning? Would you say amen? Just stay with me now. Don't go asleep. The riches of the glory on the vessels of mercy. If you've received mercy, would you say amen? amen. Would you shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Brothers and sisters, have you received mercy? Yes. Come on, we don't deserve it. Does anyone deserve what God has done in our lives? Do we forget the pit that he's brought us from? When my mother prayed this morning, I wanted, I should have, I wanted to jump to my feet and say, Thank God you saved my mum. Because if you hadn't saved her, I may never have been saved. Thank God you saved my dad because if you hadn't saved them and brought them together, praise the Lord, God, I'd never have been saved. I could have been a Molly, but Molly's going to be saved, but I could have been abandoned. I could have been on my own with nobody. But God, 
We forget, don't we? Are you thankful? You know, there was a time I wasn't thankful. There was a time I just wanted to do my own thing, run my own course, go my own way, enjoy my own sin, do my thing, live it my way, and I ended up in a horrible pit, feeding the feeding with the pigs. But friends, thank God for the pigs, because then you realize you don't belong with the pigs. But you got to get down there sometimes before you realize where you need to get back to. There's a house that God wants you to be part of. And so it says here that he make known the riches of the glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared on the glory. Friends, I know I'm treading in areas that my little mind really can't grasp. I'm not trying to be, it's not false humility, but really I don't know. Any mind in this earth, and sorry if the great theologians might disagree, I don't know a mind or a brain or a Christian theologian in this earth can really grasp this morning that God has chosen us, that he by his mercy has saved us, and because we're the vessels of mercy, that he wants to display the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy. He wants to display it in that hostile Judas when you're running up and down those stairs all day. He wants to display the glory and the riches of his son on a vessel of mercy because he's been merciful. And he says, I want to display my glory. That's what I want to do. I'm building a house and it's for my glory, but I'm choosing you and I want to display the riches of my glory in your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? Does it cause us this morning to go, my God, are we living in such a place, away down here, when you want us to bring us away up there to show us the purpose of God? He says he's called, even he's called us, not only of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. Praise God that he's engrafted us in. Praise God we're strangers of the promises of God, but we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now now the veil is opened and, and the veil has been rent and we can enter into all the fullness of God. And so often, you know what we do, friends? We're so far away from where he wants us to be. We're so often cold and wandering on the edges and picking up at the scraps. And he said, no, you're a son. You're a vessel of mercy. You're not to be on the outside. I want you to come into my house because my house, the banner over you is love and there's a banqueting table and I'll prepare a table even in the midst of your enemies and there's healing and there's joy and there's forgiveness and there's hope and there's peace and there's deliverance in my house. But so often you're away wondering, aren't we? Aren't we? Come on, folks. We really do need to get real. We're picking up the scraps. We're not feasting from the, you know, we sing it. We're not feasting on the manna. We're not drinking from the fountain. We're nibbling over old manna. We're, we're resting on something that happened a hundred years ago. God's moving in 2020. He's building a great house for his glory. He's the master builder. It's for his honor. And it shall come to pass that the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people. Don't it says? There shall, there shall they be called the children of the living God. We are Gentiles. We are a people. We weren't his people. But through the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and through Jesus alone, there's a place in Balanahence this morning, not the only one, but there's a house this morning that we're the children of the living God. Today, if you hear his voice, some people won't hear. If you hear his voice, don't turn away. Don't harden your heart. They can't hear because it's so carnal. They can't hear because they're so earthly minded. They can't hear because they're so intended on what, what's going to happen next, where we're going afterwards, what are we going to talk about. Friends, we need to get to the feet of Jesus. We need to get to the throne to worship. We need to strip away and we need to come. Paul said to Timothy, we'll turn over a few more minutes and then it'll be closed. 
But Paul said to Timothy, because come on, we want to see the glory in the house. You want to be part of that. Because when the glory comes, listen carefully, when the glory comes, it's not going to visit every house. I'm going to say that again. I know some people might be a bit affronted by that. But not every house that claims to be the house is going to be visited by the glory. But I do want to, I do want this house to be visited. But friends, don't take anything for granted. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.20, But in a great house, in a great house, God's building a great house. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. And I just believe this morning that gold and that silver is just speaking of that which is faith. It's tried in the fire. It's come through the trials. It's come through the floods. It's come through all the different. We've been through it. Praise the Lord. And we're going through it. And praise the Lord. We'll go through some more things. But that's faith being tried. So there's vessels of gold and silver. But also of wood and of earth. And some to honour and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel of honour. Sanctified. Look at what God wants to do. Vessels of honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's what God wants for every life in this room. Listen to me, friends. That's what God wants. There's vessels of honor in his house. These vessels are sanctified. That, That word means to be wholly consecrated or separated Unto God. They're meat. That means they're ready. They're ready. Here's the master builder. He's got a job that needs done. And so he comes to his house. And he's looking for a vessel. That he can take off the wall. And say there's a vessel. It's sanctified. It's ready. And it's ready for my use. I'm going to take that vessel and I'm going to use that vessel. What I'll do is I'll empower it by my spirit and that vessel will be used for my glory. Isn't it wonderful what God can do? Don't we rejoice in these things? And then he says, now how then does the house become great? I want to ask you a question. Could you answer the question in your head? Don't all shout out at once. What makes the house great? You know, we, we have been so conditioned in the, in the 21st century of what's great in church life, isn't it? You know, what is great? What actually makes the house great? What makes this house great? If you're thinking this morning, look, someone, sometimes you'll get questions like, I'm moving here, I'm going there. Do you know any great churches? But really, what then would you say to that person do your, I don't know whether there's church trip advisors. I hope there's not. <laughs> Boy, I don't know how many stars we're getting, but don't worry about it. It's okay. The comment section, don't look at them, whatever you do. But what would you say? What makes the house great? His presence. His presence certainly makes the house so wonderful. What attracts his presence? Tracy, I'm not asking you, I'm not doing an interaction here, putting you on the spot. But what brings his presence? What actually, what is it that he comes to? Why does he come? What makes it great? We know, let's, let's make it clear because we all know this. The house isn't great because of what we have done. And many people are going to say amen. Yeah. Now just don't say it with your, with your mouth. Do you believe it in your heart? This is a great place because I'm here, you know. It's not. I'm sorry to disappoint you if you think it is. It's actually not. You're vital, but it's not great because of you. Is it great because of the preaching? You can say no, by the way, because I don't believe it for a second. Great preaching, isn't it? Thank God for preaching. Great singing, isn't it? Thank God for singing. Great buildings, because most people today when they're recommending a church, will say, go to that such and such a place because you want to see da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You want to see the gym. You want to see see the PA system. Boom, put you out of the place. Boom, boom, boom. No thanks. 
You want to see the guy, he's so amazing, so cool. You want to see, see the seating? I'll tell you what, you could just sit there for hours. It's just like being in the cinema. Yeah, I've heard all this stuff. I'm not making it up, by the way. You want to see the new whatever. You want to see this. You want to see the building that built. You know, thank God for what buildings, because we need buildings for facilities. But you see, when that becomes why it's glorious, then it's actually completely, we have lost it completely. But would you not agree with me? This is what I believe, that that's actually the way most people in the church think today. What makes it great? What makes it great is Jesus. But how is the church great? And how is the glory and the riches of Christ then seen? How does that happen? How does it really happen? Like, let's get down to the nuts and bolts. How does it really happen? Paul says there's vessels of honor, but then there's earth and there's the wood, there's those temporal things. And if a house is filled with earth and wood, then there's no glory in the house. And I'm going to tell you something. Let's see all the outward stuff. It's all, listen carefully, it's all earth and wood. All of it is. And yet sometimes we think that's the silver and the gold. But it's not. So we want to be vessels of honor. And Paul says here, this is what you need to do. This is what makes it a vessel of honor and a place where God comes. I want you to flee youthful lusts. I want you to follow. This is what I want you to do. This is is scripture this morning. This is the Spirit speaking. I want you to follow righteousness. I want you to follow faith. I want you to follow charity, love. I want you to have peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions, avoid them. Stay away from them. Don't be part of them. Knowing that they, what do they do? They gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be, what does it say? Now, by the way, do you know we're all servants of the Lord? you know that? This isn't just to me this morning, in case you're saying, I hope he's getting this. I am trying to get it, trust me. I'm getting it. I might be slow, but I'm trying to get it. But the servant of the Lord, if you're saved, you're a servant. Women and men, you hear me this morning, we're all servants of the Lord. So he says that the servant of the Lord must not strive. But what must he be? Would you say the word gentle? I know in the Ulster psychic, we're not, okay, I'll speak for me, we're not necessarily gentle people in the Ulster psychic. We've been fighting for a few hundred years and that fight sometimes is still in us. Sorry, it's in us all. Just in case there's a few people nodding. (laughs) But then he has to be gentle to all men. Ask you a question, are you gentle to everyone? Like gentle? Are we really gentle? Come on, I mean, we need to examine ourselves. I need to examine my heart. But but before you ever start pointing at anybody else, would you just like, for a moment to say, am I gentle? Is that, is that what I am? Do we not all need God's grace? Do we not all see our lack? Are we just, because none of us are perfect, you ever hear that? But it is true, you know. Nikki, am I perfect? Yeah. No. <laughs> See what love does to you? (laughs) Sweetheart. (laughs) But are we really gentle? Are we really gentle? Are we gentle with each other? No, come on, because we want the glory, don't we? You know, we're singing about revival, we're praying for revival, but we want the glory, don't we? But are we really gentle? Come on, are we not, do we not fall short? You know, I really don't want to be in a church that it's plastic. I really don't. I'm not saying that we are. I'm just saying I don't want it to be that way. I don't want us to try and just cover it over and say, hey, everything's great, you know. We'll just sing our way through it. We won't sing our way through it. We won't preach our way through it. There has to be a reality. 
of really what it is. We talk about being real, but we really do need to be real. We say we need to be open, but we really do need to be open. Are we really gentle? You see, these things that I'm talking about, our flesh is not this. No matter how nice your flesh is, and no matter how great a personality you may have, but you are not this. I'm sorry to burst someone's bubble, but you're not this. We are not this. We're not this by ourselves. We're only this by God's grace. Because this is Christ. And the flesh can't produce Christ. The flesh can produce a facade. The flesh can do it no problem. Lovely to see you. How's it going? Wonderful. And maybe you've just torn someone's head off on the way in. It doesn't work. No, I'm trying to be real because I want God's glory and I want God's best for everyone here. But I wanted to be real. It's not working, friends, if it's that. It's a facade. And we need to say, God, we don't want it to be that. I know nobody in this house wants it to be that. We want the reality of God. But this is what makes a great house. Because there's a great Jesus and we act like him. Not just by a facade, but by the power of the Spirit of God. We truly live like him. And they say, I can see Jesus in them. Because they talk to each other, right? And they love each other. And you know what? See, when someone's down, they're not jumping on them. They're trying to give them a leg up. Are you glad for a leg up? Have you ever had a leg up? Do you know what I mean by a leg up? Maybe you don't know what I mean. We're not going to try and do it. No. Isn't it true? And so he says... For those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, foolish and learned questions, drop them, avoid them. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, must be able to teach, must be patient. God, give us patience. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves of God peradventure will give them repentance to acknowledge, to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves, listen to this, out of the snare of the devil. Can I tell you something? The devil's forever setting traps. I've seen, and we have seen, and you, everybody here will have seen some of the great churches with great ministries, with great preaching, with great singing, be destroyed in an evening. You know Why? Because people couldn't keep that closed. Isn't it true? You know, there's a lot of big devils. There's a lot of wee devils. But the Bible says there's a wee member that destroys everything. Like that. And we can't control our mouths. Let me tell you something, friend. I want to say this. Because we've all been guilty of it. If there's a person here hasn't been guilty of saying something they shouldn't, then the only person that is is Jesus. Not true? But it's been destroyed because the devil has set the traps. So I'm closing with this. What does it look like? What does the great house look like? where the presence of God is mighty in the midst, where the glory of God is glowing in every face, where the river of life, is that what we want? Where the river of life is flowing, where those that are broken are healed, those that are bruised are, are, are bound up, those that are bound are set free. Is that really what we want to see? This is what it looks like in Scripture. If you turn to Isaiah in chapter 58, and we'll close with this. Isaiah 58. And this is what the great house is and the ministry of the great house as God begins to work. Oh, friends, I'm longing to see these days. 
Is this not the fast that I've chose, saith the Lord, verse 6? And here's what it looks like. To loose the bands of wickedness. Here's the great house. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is this great house not to deal their bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, the his house, not just our own houses, but do we bring the poor to our own house and do we bring them to his house? And thou seest the naked and you cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Here's the great house manifested and the ministry of Jesus that the oppressed are going free, burdens are being lifted, bonds of wickedness are being broken, the hungry are fed with the word of life, the poor are brought into the house of God, those are covered by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of God. Here's the house of God. Then what happens when there's a practical Christianity in action from the heart? Then the light breaks forth as the morning. Then the health springs forth speedily, then the righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Thou shall call. What prayer meetings we want to see are prayer meetings like this. Thou shall call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Why would he do that? Because he said, See my house. My house is going to be a house of prayer. He says, if you take away, again, like Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, take away from the midst of thee the yoke and the putting forth of the finger. What do we say around the table this morning? Let a man examine the person that's beside you. No, no. Stop pointing the finger at other people. Listen, we are all guilty of it. We are all guilty. See, for anyone to sit this morning and say, I hope they're here, that God, we are not here in the Spirit. We're actually not hearing the Holy Ghost talk to us. If you're thinking about someone else at this time, you're missing what God's saying. Listen to me, friend. I'm pleading with you by the grace of God. If you're thinking of someone else, God, I'm saying, God, would you speak to me? Put away the putting forth of the finger and the speaking vanity. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul. Then, this is what we're praying for, thy light shall rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. Satisfy thy soul in drought, make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. And they that shall be of thee will build the old waste places. What God has purposed for this fellowship will come to fruition. Everything, if we would, thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in. Oh, friends, this morning, is that what we long to see? And God's purpose is this. That the latter house, listen friends, I want to tell you, the latter house will be greater than the former. The glory will fill the house of God. But you know, friends, there's going to be some houses filled that people said God would never come there. There's going to be some wee sheds filled where there's a few believers meeting together with earth ground and the glory of the Lord's going to fill that place. There's going to be a wee place, maybe just on the side of a mountain, the way up in the Himalayan range, a wee church sitting up there with Pastor Mansing with a wee earth floor and just a few wee people together and one of the most glorious sights that you'll ever see in this earth. But what will make it more glorious is the glory of God in a wee house. We're longing for the day, like the words of Mark chapter 2, that when he came to Capernaum after some days, it was noised that he... It was noised. Who's in the house? He's in the house. That's what we want to see. That's what we really want to see. I believe that's what we all want to see. But what makes us a great house, friend? Not only is it that you're here, but that, that we're real 
and following after those things that make this a house filled with vessels of honor. Meet for the master's use. Do you know, sometimes in a message like this, I do appreciate this, that at the end of it, some people can feel, what's the point? I mean, I, what is it? What is the point? I, I try, I fail, I want to keep my mouth closed, I can't. I want to keep my heart ready, I can't. That's what happens. But you know, here's the wonderful thing about it all. See if you're willing this morning, if, if you have ears to hear, the Spirit of God speaking, but see if you're really willing this morning, there's a wonderful thing what the potter is able to do. He's able to take the clay and he's able to make it into a vessel of honor. He makes, isn't that amazing? I mean, first, the first thing you need to make sure you don't do is, how do you get yourself all sorted right here? The first thing you need to do, what we need to do, what I need to do is throw ourselves on the wheel and say, Lord, make us the people you want us to be. And forgive us for what we've done. And make it right where we need to make it right. But this needs to be a place for his glory, for his honor. Let's stand together. We're going to pray.